First uh, Samuel uh, chapter 13. We're just going to read verses uh, 13 and 14 and then jump to, uh, to Acts 13. But looking at the biblical uh, view of manhood or what is the sexy man. Here's, here's, uh, here's a passage for you. First Samuel 13, uh, 13. Hear the word of God. Then Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You've not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal, and the people uh, went up after Saul to meet the army. Um, and it continues on. There's more of the context there. Um, and then the New Testament, just reflecting on this, this is uh, Paul uh, spe- preaching the gospel uh, to the church in, in Antioch. Um, and as he says many things, he's kind of given an overview of biblical history as it comes toward Christ. And uh, Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 21. Then they asked for a king. And God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David the son of Jesse a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. The grass withers. Flower fades, uh, but Scripture says the word of the Lord uh, endures forever. I pray they would for us. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to see Saul, David, and Jesus. That's why we're looking at those uh, passage. <clears throat> uh, the sexy man. What is what is the sexy man? The, uh, the confu- I think there's a lot of cultural confusion over what it means to be a man. What it means to be a real man. I know that's not for, like, the guys in this room, but there's other people out there, you know, who are, like, insecure. I know for y'all, you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you're like, there it is, the definition of manliness, staring back at me. I'm sexy, and I know it. Work out. Um, now, I think, I think every guy carries a certain amount of insecurity over, over how manly he is, over how manly uh, he appears, or they think of him to be. Um, if you don't know this about yourself, the marketers know it. Um, I think it's fun to look at some of the commercials I was going back to. Uh, um, Reggie got the Old Spice commercial, right? Yeah, I put that in there just for you, John. <laughs> yeah. uh, right? Look at me. Look down. I look back at me. Smell like a man, man. You know, like your man could smell like this guy out there. I'm on a horse. I'm on a horse. <laughs> um, I was looking back. This is from the uh, Super Bowl. I don't know if they're still doing this ad, but there was a Docker campaign for a little while. Uh, wear the pants. And so there's this commercial, and all these guys are not wearing any pants. So we're like singing, we're not wearing any pants. Um, and then they say, uh, uh, guys, it's calling all men. It's time to wear the pants. Dockers, right? You're like, if you're going to be a real man, you've got to you know, wear dockers. Um, or uh, like this one, too. Uh, there's a Dodge Charger commercial, Man's Last Stand. And they, it's funny. They've got, like, all these different, different guys just with this blank stare. You know, back as if they're talking to their to their spouse or or whatever, and they're like, "Yes, I will listen to your opinion of my friends, 
And I will listen to your friends' opinions of your friends, of my friends. <laughs> uh, I will answer your call whenever, whenever, you, whenever you're there. I will, uh, I will put the toilet seat down. I will put my socks in the proper basket. And because I do all of this, I will drive the car I want to drive. And it's like roaring engine, you know, all this stuff. Um, so apparently being a man involves not... Uh, uh, not being sensitive to your wife or caring about uh, her needs or loving her, but being selfish in order to get what you want for yourself, right? Um, that's what they're, what they're selling you because, <clears throat> because it's insecurity what it means to be a man. Um, wh- what does it mean to be a man? I think there's all type of different cultural views that we're told of what it means to be manly. Um, you go t- over to the uh, academic dean or something, and they'll talk about being a diligent student and getting good grades and preparing for your future. Right? You go over to the business school uh, and it's leadership or success or being able to make money. Uh, you go over to the Leech Center, it's like you have the cut, defined you know, muscles. Can you push enough weight so the bar is physically like bending over your back or you know, over as you're doing the, uh, the bench press? <laughs> um, go up over to the second floor of the basketball courts, different view of manliness. You put up the points. You have game, right, out on the basketball courts. Uh, intramurals, it's how much of an athlete you are. Count up your wins. You get the trophy. You get to feel like a man. And the other people, losers, right? like wimps, whatever. They didn't, they, they're not there. Um, uh, 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 weekend, how much beer you drink or how many girls you've been with or whatever. The list goes on and on. Uh, even, even like how good you are at Scrabble, right? Manly, if you can, if you can win a Scrabble. Um, and there's so many definitions that no one can, uh, uh, no one's good enough at, at everything, right? No one, no one uh, fits in all those things. So it's, it's not surprising. There's a confusion. What does it mean to be manly? Is it this? Is it, is it driving a Dodge Charger? Is it having old spies? How do I buy all these things? Um, uh, who, so I think we've got to ask the question, not just what does it mean to be a man, uh, but whose view of manly are we talking about? Uh, as we look at this. So, and, and guys and girls, I think both for all, everyone, this is an important question for us to, for us to look at. Um, what kind of, what, what, whose view of manly is it? Girls, it's an important question for you, whether you're uh, looking for a man to date, uh, or maybe future, in the future, a man to uh, marry. What, what type of guy are you looking for? Uh, who meets your criteria? What kind of standards? Who, who do you notice? Who do you think is worthwhile? Um, uh, allow me the stereotype here, but girls, stereotypically, uh, you have notoriously bad taste in men, right? I know this is not any of you in this room. You've got it you know, all together, but uh, it's kind of the theme of like half of all the chick flicks or romantic comedy that they go after the bad guy, the wrong guy after them. Why do I always fall for the for the wrong guy? And then you uh, end up in the uh, with toxic love or in a bad romance, and you don't know how to get out of it because you see the the cocky, uh, stuck up, obnoxious, but still incredibly good looking guy, and you think. He's the one for me, right? Uh, here he is. And I'm, I know he treats everyone else like scum and really badly, but he treats me so well, and he, he shows attention to, to, to me, right? Um, <clears throat> I know he only seems to take care about, of himself, but, but he'll take great care of me. Um, and even when your friends can look at it and see, what are you doing? Like, you still just can't see that, right? You, you don't have bad taste generally in men just for yourself, and then other people differently can see that. Um, <clears throat> what kind of man should you be looking for? Uh, whose view of manliness are you going to accept and buy into? Uh, guys, it's a deeply personal question for you, right? Uh, we will go to great, 
well, it's idiotic, uh, ends to prove our manliness, right? All you've got to do is, you know, someone calls you a wuss or calls you a wimp uh, or even implies that you're not manly, off we go into something. Like, like, why do sports like bungee jumping exist, right? Um, <laughs> who came up with the idea of skydiving? You know, you're already parachuting out there and someone's like, you know, if you pull your, uh, pull your chute in the first 10 seconds, you're a wuss. <laughs> what? <laughs> all right, I'm going. I'm not pulling it all the way down. Right, this, this, is how, this is how we do, right? Um, uh, uh, some of you, this may be a bit of a topic. Feel free to ignore, laugh, or whatever. But, uh, but guys, in the history of the world, there's an almost universal course of action in, in men coming of age. <clears throat> Comes a time when every uh, guy reaches for the, the ruler to, to see how you, uh, how you measure up, right? Guys, you know I'm talking about. It's the age-old question. Does size uh, matter? Um, and, and my point is, uh, when you got out that ruler, this is the question that you are asking. Uh, am I a man? Right? You, you already knew that you were male. That kind of goes along with the premise. Um, <clears throat> am I a man? And you're still insecure because the ruler can't answer that question for you. Um, the Bible does answer that question for you. Uh, the standard to measure your manliness, I'm not talking about the size of your unit anymore. Um, <laughs> The Bible answers the question, what does it mean to be a man? So tonight I hope you'll draw out some of the aspects of the biblical view of manliness, the biblical picture of the sexy man. Uh, if you'll let, that, uh, uh, let the Bible re, uh, uh, reinterpret your view of, of sexy, what should be most appealing to us. And uh, to sum it up, so make sure you get it at the beginning, the general idea from the passages that we're going to of what it means to be a man, the way the, the Bible talks about what's, what's then that fulfillment of that, it's being a man after God's own heart. What does that mean? How do we look at this? We're going to go into that. Um, but what, what, what God is looking for, what God you ought to be striving to be, and ladies, what you actually want to be looking for uh, is a man after God's own heart. Ladies, that's the man who's going to take care of you and treat you well. That's who you want to be with. Guys, that's, that's who you wish you could, you could be. Um, uh, what, what's our view of manliness? Uh, what type of man are we looking for? What type of man, guys, are we trying to be? How does your perspective need to be reshaped by Scripture? So we're going to look at three different sides of it uh, and, and come right through the passage. Uh, the example of Saul, uh, the example of David, uh, and the example of Jesus, right? not the right man, uh, a man, a man after God's own heart, and not a perfect man. Um, so first, uh, the example of Saul. In, in the passage that we read, and I know it's just a short kind of snippet in the middle of a context, but in the passage that we read, what's going on is Saul is being rejected, being rejected by God as a leader of his people for not being the right type of man, if you will, uh, for not being the right type of leader of God's people. Um, Saul, Saul, in many ways, is set up in Scripture as the, as the foil for David as the true leader, for David as the, as the true man, King David. Um, but, but, but Saul, when you get the biblical picture of Saul, like if Saul was in the 2012 election, everyone would be voting for Saul, right? He, he's on the ballot. He was someone we would have voted for, uh, elected, expected to be a great man and a great king. I saw in Scripture, you read through 1 Samuel, I seemed like the right man. Or we can say, he seemed like Mr. Right. Um, he was incredibly good looking. Right? It's part, of, part of the picture, right? Uh, 1 Samuel 9, 2 says this. Uh, he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. 
All right, we've got a leader. This, is, this guy's going to be good. Um, from his shoulders upwards, he was taller than any of the people. He's good looking. Uh, he seems spiritual. Uh, there, there's points where uh, you know, it's, not just, it's not just looking on the external, looking at the internal things. You know, here, here's this man who, he, he seems spiritual. There, uh, 1 uh, Samuel 10, 12, after uh, this event where uh, Saul uh, in the spirit is, is prophesying, it says it became a proverb, is Saul also among the prophets? He's a, he's a spiritual person as well. And it's not just that just some people, he was affirmed by others. 1 Samuel 10, 24, uh, after Saul was uh, chosen, Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There's, there's none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted out, Long live the king. Right, here's Mr. Right. Here's the right uh, leader uh, for God's people, uh, their king. He was a brave and strong warrior. He defeats the Ammonites. Uh, he, he has victory against their enemies. Uh, Lady Saul, in many ways, is the type of man that you're looking for. He seems like Mr. Right. But in the passage we read, he's being rejected. Why? Um, why? Why wasn't he Mr. Right? How does it turn out that he's Mr. Wrong? Uh, even before this passage, you get a few early hints about this. Um, when he was first anointed by, uh, uh, by Samuel, he doesn't tell anybody about it. He was like traveling. He had to meet with Samuel. Uh, Samuel anoints him as king, and he comes back, and it's been a while, and his, his parents are out, his father's asking, and he just he doesn't... Doesn't say like he's been anointed king over Israel. He just kind of keeps it to himself. You're like, okay. Uh, then later the people are calling out uh, to Samuel. They want a king, and they say, okay, they're going to go by lots. That God's going to choose through a system of lots. You know who who it's going to be. Um, and so it gets you know by uh, by tribe, and then by family, and then person within that family, and it comes down to Saul. And they're like, where's Saul? Saul's the one that's been chosen. Where is he? You know where he is. Uh, in scripture it says he was hiding among the baggage <laughs> he knows they're looking for a leader and what he's doing is hiding away so that he doesn't have to be that person in case he ends up being chosen maybe he's not the right guy um, but really it comes down uh, to this story and you can read some of the verses just a little bit back uh, in, in chapter 13 um, uh, it comes down to this passage and his disobedience to God in this um, what's going on is, is here uh, they've, uh, Saul's been uh, the, the, the king of the people there's several things that they've done and then there's a huge army of the Philistines that comes out against them right that is you know, sitting on the other side of the plain uh, ready to attack um, and the Israelites are in a panic they're scared there's more of them than there are Israelites and Samuel said to Saul to wait seven days the appointed time, after seven days, uh, Samuel was going to come, and they would offer up a sacrifice to the Lord, that the Lord would be with them, and then they would go into battle. It's kind of hard to wait seven days when the enemy's like on the other hill, um, and people are already panicking and ready to head out. So, so it comes down to the seventh day, and when it's on the seventh day, and still uh, Samuel hasn't come, Saul says, I'm going to take this into my own hands. Uh, and he makes the sacrifice himself. Uh, to entreat the Lord's uh, favor uh, for it. And right after he makes the sacrifice, that's when Samuel comes up uh, and says these words to, to Saul. You've, you've done foolishly because you've not kept the command of the Lord. Uh, you've, taken it, you've taken it into the own, to your own, uh, to your own hands. See, so when it comes down to the, to the hard-pressing times, Saul's the kind of man who will get it done by himself. Uh, people were scattering, scattering, and Saul feared their disapproval more than God's disapproval. 
Samuel hadn't shown. Saul decided he would get the favor himself. Uh, the key issue is that rather than making sure that he was on God's side, he was trying to get God on, on his side, or at least help other people see it that way. Right? It's about the consequences, about the effect. He's concerned more about himself and about his reputation than about God and obedience. Um, now, guys, I think we're all caught in that to a very, to a very large degree. Um, but, but here in this passage, the, it, was, it was for that that the kingdom was removed from Saul. So if, if he'd obeyed, the kingdom would have been through him uh, forever. Um, but instead, it's removed and given to David, who is not quite different. Saul was not the right man. Not the type of man we should strive to be or be looking for. So secondly, we have the example of David. And King David, on the other hand, was a, was a man after God's own heart. I don't think you can read the accounts uh, of David in First and Second uh, Samuel without being impressed by him, uh, without being uh, drawn to him and compelled almost to follow by, by his character. It's truly admirable. Uh, can't look at all those stories, but maybe draw out some of the, some of the points about this in particular. Uh, because in, in some ways, when you look at the character of David, in some ways he was stereotypically manly. But in other ways, he completely defies the stereotype of what it is to be manly. Um, but without a doubt, in some ways, uh, David is a manly man, right? He actually killed a giant. Um, that's, that, that's, that's pretty good, right? Um, or, uh, or over in, uh, um, not, just a, not just a giant, here's what he says as he's getting ready to, uh, uh, to, to kill the, the giant. In 1 Samuel 17, uh, 34, this is what David said to Saul. Uh, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, what do you think David did? I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. (laughs) Right? Yes! I want a video of that um, on YouTube, right? Um, I I, I went after him, struck him, delivered it out of his mouth, and if he rose up against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant is struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. That's David answer to it. You're like, oh, yes, this guy, this guy has got it, right? Um, when every other Israelite is trembling in their boots with the Philistine army there and Goliath calling them all out, um, no one else wants to go out there, and David marches out, and he marches out with just slings and a stone, and takes Goliath down, takes Goliath's sword, chops his head off, uh, and brings it back. And all the way through David's kingship, he's a, he's a brave warrior. Uh, the saying ends up turning around from what used to be said of Saul. It says, Saul has slain his thousands, uh, but David his ten thousands. Right? He was, the, he was the Rambo of the day. He was the Chuck Norris or the Jack Bauer or whoever, whoever you want to think of. Uh, David like set the standard of what manliness was. On the other hand, other, other characteristics of David that we say, maybe, maybe not so uh, manly. Um, He's, uh, he's described sometimes as the, the sweet psalmist of Israel, right? He was a poet. Uh, most of the psalms in the Psalter are written, uh, written by David. A musician skilled on the lyre, uh, strings, instruments, and things that he plays. Uh, uh, he, he's someone who has deep male friendship, um, that it says uh, um, after Jonathan died, uh, it says that he loved Jonathan more than, more than uh, his own soul. And, and he goes on and says, Jonathan, whose love surpasses the love of women. Right? This is a close male friendship bond that, like, we go, like, hey, what's going on there? Right? Um, 
He's comfortable being friends, being close, being deeply relational and loving with another uh, man um, in this friendship. Uh, he, was a, he was a dancer, right? You know, they're bringing the, they're bringing the Ark of the Lord uh, uh, from the Philistines into, um, um, into uh, Jerusalem, and David is there uh, dancing uh, before the Lord, right? Like, okay, how, how does all these fit? Um, what's the stereotype here? But the point I want you to see is there's not a certain external standard that you have to fit in to be manly. It's not going to work. You can't fit into all the different uh, things. Um, and it's easy to be called insecurely trying to make yourself like someone else who seemed manly to you, whether that's the great athlete or the person who's really strong or the outdoorsman or the person who fishes and hunts or really good at video games, right? I mean, you can be the manly guy on the video games, like the one who, who wins all the high scores or whatever it is. Um, or drives the fast cars, or knows how to fix cars, or has the kicking stereo system, or in your car, whatever. Um, and if you don't match up to some of those people around you who have skills in a certain area, you go, maybe I'm not as manly. Maybe I need to learn how to do that, right? Um, I'll say, like, I rarely ever watch the Super Bowl. Um, I just don't really care that much about it. Um, but I feel like I've got to, I've got to I always make sure I know who's playing in the Super Bowl. Um, and I look first thing in the morning to find out who won and watch some of the commercials or the highlight plays so that I can talk with other friends and not be like completely humiliated. Because um, they'd be like, what, you didn't even watch the Super Bowl? And I would like, I'm not manly. Um, <clears throat> listen, those things are neither here nor there. It's not essential to manliness. That's not what the Bible presents as the picture of, of the sexy man, of the appealing, how desirable, what it means to be a man. What does matter? David is a man after God's own heart. That's how he's described in this passage. That's how he's described again in Acts, like, uh, repeatedly. He's a, he cares about what God cares about. Uh, and he does what God uh, wants him to do, pursues that. In some ways, it's the, it's the exact opposite of, uh, of like the rebel. Because Man after God's own heart is a man who seeks obedience. Uh, but we have this image of the rebel, like you know, James Dean, motorcycle, and car races, all these things. Um, uh, but the central characteristic, characteristic of, uh, of manliness in a lot of ways is, is obedience. Um, it, I'll put it this way, though. That, uh, in other ways, that's part of what you like about the rebel, um, that what you respect in the rebel is more uh, admirable in the biblical man because it leads to not resting in other people's opinions, um, not just floating around over what did other people think and going along with the crowd. Um, someone who has, who has the ability to stand for themselves and pursue a certain thing. Because um, uh, if you're after God's own heart, you're not able to just rest in other people's opinions the way Saul did and so fondly made the sacrifice. Um, it's amazing when you read the story in 1 Samuel about how David, um, again, Saul's still king, but David has been anointed king. And for years, Saul is hunting after David, sending people after David. And, and David has several attempts, uh, several occasions where he could have easily taken Saul's life. And he doesn't. Um, and the men who are following him are just like baffled by it. What are you doing? Like, what? Well, at one point they're like in a cave, uh, and Saul doesn't know that they're there, and he comes in by himself, and they could have just killed him. Uh, and David doesn't want to do so, but he cuts off the corner of, of uh, Saul's garment, and then he feels bad about that because this was the Lord's anointed. So he feels like I've broken God's command and even cutting off this. So he comes out to where Saul's army is and says, essentially, forgive me, I've done you wrong. Um, and his, I mean, his soldiers are like, what are you doing? 
But he's, he's, a, he's a rebel to people around him. So, but no, he, he's a man after God's own heart. He's following what God has uh, set for him to do. Um, David's mindset is one of faith, trust in the Lord. It's the exact opposite sometimes what we think is manly. Uh, we think the real man can do it all for himself. Needs no one else. Uh, David doesn't become proud and arrogant or high on himself. The Psalms always reflect his faith. In other words, his dependence on God uh, to defeat his enemies or whatever. Um, He even lets himself be cursed by others, not using his power recklessly or selfishly. You read some of these different stories. Uh, But taking responsibility for what needs to be uh, done. Uh, he's a responsible leader who seeks to serve others. He cares uh, for what God cares about. You see that David's one who cares for the poor, uh, cares for the afflicted, uh, cares for those who are cast down, the way that God calls us to. So that's the character of David's kingship. Uh, guys, are you a man after God's own heart? Is that even what you're pursuing? Uh, do you see what would be compelling about that? Why, why you might want to be that? Girls, is this the type of man that you want? Uh, that you're looking for, that you find attractive? Or is that like a little bit weird? Or if that comes along too, then maybe. Um, <clears throat> David's a man after God's own heart. All right, Saul, not the right man. Uh, David, man after God's own heart. Uh, but at this point, I'm leaving something out, right? <laughs> Especially if you know the story of David. Uh, David was not a perfect man. Uh, very far, far from it. Um, David falls far short of what anyone wants. He was uh, an adulterer. And a murderer. Oops, kind of, kind of missed it, uh, right? Hard to, hard to be worse than that. Maybe you see the story of Bathsheba. He's there. He already has uh, several wives, and he's looking across and sees on the uh, on Bathsheba on the roof taking a bath, and he says, "I want her. Get her for me." Um, and he's with her, and then she gets pregnant. He says, "I've got to cover this all up." Um, and so Uriah is her, her uh, husband, and he's out in the battlefield. So he says, "Put him at the very front of the front of the uh, front line, and then when the when the battle's really heavy, uh, let everyone else move back and see what happens to him." <clears throat> he orchestrates uh, his murder. God calls him out on it. Um, David is not the perfect man, uh, and part of the point is that there's not a perfect man. Uh, you're not going to be the perfect man. Ladies, you're not going to find uh, the perfect man. I hate to, I hate to disappoint you, uh, but let me, let me help other people, uh, you know, guys that you may date or marry, be married to uh, later. Let me go ahead and get that out. You're not going to be married to the perfect man. You're not going to have the perfect man come find you. Um, if you're looking for the perfect man, you won't find him. Every guy is going to do you wrong. It's going to let you down uh, over and over again. wish it wasn't so. Uh, guys, if you're trying to be the perfect man, stop kidding yourself. I uh, hope and pray that you'll never commit adultery and murder. That sounds like David. Uh, but do pay attention. David's a, a real reflection of who we are, of what we're, what we're capable of. We're not better than David. Um, there's only one uh, perfect man. That was the God-man, Jesus uh, Christ uh, himself. That's who we really need. Um, that's who we need to be looking for. God, uh, girls, uh, you need Jesus more than you need some guy. And there's a lot of ways where it's easy to start looking in some guy for the things that you want that are bigger than any guy is going to be able to fill. Uh, you want someone who's continually, faithfully, lovingly giving himself for you, providing for you, and all these. Only Jesus can really provide for you, protect you, and love you in the way that you ultimately need deep in your soul. Only he's good enough uh, to, to make you beautiful and acceptable, uh, not only to other people around you, uh, but to God himself. 
that your soul can rest because God finds you beautiful for what Christ has done for you. Only He can cover your guilt. Only He can cover your shame and transform you. Uh, Jesus is the perfect man that we need to be uh, looking to because it defines manliness even for us. Um, and from that other thing, guys, um, you need Jesus more than you need anything. Um, this, this view of manliness, a man after God's own heart, is not something that you're just capable of, of being uh, on your own. Maybe it seems unmanly to admit your weaknesses, uh, your problems, your failures, or your need for help. Um, come like David and realize that you're not the perfect man. Uh, Part of the character of manliness is not only obedience, it's what you see in Psalm 51 in David, it's a character of repentance. Uh, Real men repent, real men own up to the fact that they're not the perfect man and are are continually turning back to God and saying, God help me, God forgive me, God lead me uh, through these things. Uh, Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart. I know that's not, renew a right spirit with me. These things have to come uh, from God. Um, Girls... Look for a man who realizes his failures, who, who knows where he's an idiot and will tell you that and isn't just trying to put on a front for you, uh, but honestly seeking to care for you. Um, and then when he's treated you wrongly, will come back to you and say, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done this. I led you poorly. I treated you poorly. Uh, forgive me. Uh, look for a man who realizes his, his uh, failures and turns uh, to God away from them. Who is one who is turning to Jesus and would help you uh, turn to Jesus. Because it's going to be Jesus who fills uh, those longings. Uh, guys, be the kind of man that doesn't rest in your own strength. Uh, but seeks to follow the Lord's way. Uh, seeks to follow the Lord's wisdom and the Lord's heart for what defines what matters to you and what you pursue and who you want to be. Um, what does it mean to be a man? What's your, what's your view of, of manliness? What kind of man do you want to be? I hope you, you see some of the biblical picture of the sexy man, of, of biblical manhood uh, as we go through this. But I, I wonder more is, is if you believe it. Um, if, if, if that can actually affect how you'll view things, how you act, who, who, you're, who you're looking towards. Who you're looking to be. Um, it's hard to think that manliness is faithful obedience and responsibility and repentance. Right? Um, you know, that, that doesn't go so well on the basketball court. Um, I'm, I'm being faithfully uh, obedient and, and uh, trying to be responsible and, and admitting my faults and repentance as I get, like, dunked on or moved around repeatedly and scored on. Right? Like, you're not feeling very manly at that point. Um, guys, it doesn't, it doesn't make you feel uh, manly. To be following, following God, looking to Christ. There's no grunting involved, right? Like, ooh, wow, we, we did this. Um, uh, I want you to consider how difficult it would be uh, to, to actually live that way. How uh, the cost involved. The cost involved of what other people think of you. If that's what you're pursuing, and not all the other standards. Not buying a Dodge Charger. Um, and I want to challenge you to man up. Uh, there's the biblical standard of, of manliness. Uh, measure yourself according to the, the measure, this is Ephesians, the, the measure of, uh, of full uh, manhood in Jesus Christ. 
That's actually in Ephesians. It's calling the whole body uh, together, unified, and each part contributing to the other to be uh, built up until we attain to the full measurehood of manliness uh, in the person of Jesus Christ, reflecting uh, his character. Um, girls, I know this you know, faithfulness and faithful obedience, responsibility, and repentance. Um, that's not the guy who's always most impressive to you. I don't mean just, we can be honest about that. Um, but imagine what it would be like to be loved and to be led uh, by that type of guy. Um, what that would experience, how well he would take care of you, treat you, love for you, and point you to what's ultimately fulfilling. More than what guys want or want to be, and more than what girls uh, want, uh, God looks for a man after his own heart. Jesus is that man after God's own heart, and he is at work in us to transform us, draw us to himself, that we would uh, live these things out uh, in repentance depending on him.